0: Well, if you have a Bible, I invite you to take it up and turn with me to the book of John. John chapter 3 is where we'll be, although I have to tell you that we have one verse as our text this morning, one verse as our text, and it is a familiar verse to many of you, um, but, our, uh, but our, <clears throat> our text for this morning is John chapter 3 and verse 16. If you are visiting with us, then you'll you'll want to know that we are now into uh, right in the middle of, or towards the end of, actually our Advent series, our 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 study of really trying to say, with all of the busyness of Christmas, with all that happens around the Christmas time, wanting to be able to take take a moment, to at least at least in these moments, pause and. Focus on Christ and the simplicity of the gospel message and the simplicity of the gift of Jesus. Because it is so easy for us to be able to get caught up in all these other things that it is possible that though we celebrate Christmas and we sing the songs and we do the stuff and all the rituals, that we actually leave Jesus on the periphery of our celebration. And so, what we're seeking to do is not allow that to happen, but actually draw him right into the center of our Christmas celebration. We are glad that you're here this morning. Christmas is about waiting. Christmas is about longing. I don't know if you remember, as a small child, or those of you who have small children, understand this. My kids uh, every day are counting down to Christmas. We have we have different things. We have in several places in our house we have little calendars that actually count down to the to Christmas. I remember uh, <clears throat> and I enjoy watching them as they as we talk about gifts and as we do Christmas lists and all of these things. And it's so hard to wait. It's so hard for them to just wait for the gifts that are coming. Um, my, my daughter, would say well has said i wish today was christmas I, I know i do too for you um but i'm not ready yet so it can't be uh we're not we're not but not only is that uh, real and true but advent is about waiting the celebration of advent is about longing it's, it's not just celebrating the gift who is the gift of Jesus, but it's also, it's also waiting and longing. The people looking back at the people, the people of God, who were longing for the Messiah, the one who was to come, they would long for him. And he has come. And now we, the people of God, long for his return when he will set all things right. There is a waiting, there is a longing that is a part of our Advent celebration as we look at and long for not just the gift, but the return of the gift, the gift that is simple, the simple gift of God, which is His Son, Jesus. When we receive gifts, it's not a, the gift is, is, is important, and we, we enjoy the gift. But it's not only the gift, but it's also who gives the gift too, isn't it? That also brings meaning to it. It's not just that you get gifts, but it's also the one who gives you the gift that sometimes adds to or brings meaning to the very gift itself. When I was a when I was a, a, a kid, uh, well, still actually. Uh, my dad is the rapper, not, not, not the hip-hop rapper, but the gift rapper, right? And he was an amazing gift rapper. He's he one of those rappers who would be able to have all of the details line up, all of the lines on the wrapping paper would, would just... And so they just look amazing, and then they have the bows on top. And then, you know, there's the two, the little tag that's on there, to, whomever, from, whomever. Well, my dad, growing up, would say... He would, he would get creative with it, and so it would be to, say, to John, from... Dan Marino, right, <laughs> who was my favorite football player at the time. And so all of our gifts, we had one gift that came from mom and dad, and one gift that came from Santa, and all the other gifts came from some other famous person. So it would be like, two JCP, my initials, from Alyssa Milano, my first whatever. I don't know. If, whatever. <laughs> I just... Was um, and then so we of course would play it up because I'd be like, hey, hey, I didn't know she knew me, but I'm so glad she does. Um, I'm sure I'm the apple of her eye. I wasn't, <clears throat> as it turned out. We understand Christmas to be about the gift of Christ, but it's also we need we do well if we think about who was the giver, who it was who was the giver. And John, in this verse that is before us, John three sixteen helps us. Look not only at the gift but also at the giver. John 3:16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved that he gave. God is the giver. Well what do we know about the giver? We know that he loved not only did, is it that God loved, but God is the very author of love. God is himself the very definition of love. God in his giving is an act of God's love towards us. He is full of life and he is full of love. One commentator, William Hendrickson, puts it this way. Take all of human virtues and then raise them up to the nth degree and realize that no matter how grand and glorious a total picture is formed in the mind, even that is a mere shadow of the love life that exists eternally in the heart of him whose very name is love. Take all of the human virtues. Take all of the great things about humanity that you can think up and raise them, he says, to the nth degree. And he says, that will form an amazing picture in your mind. When you think about the goodness of humanity, you raise that up as high as you can possibly imagine. And in your mind, you say, what a wonderful, glorious picture. And he says, but that, as wonderful and glorious as that could possibly be, is only a shadow of the love life that exists In the heart of him whose very name is love. God is the author of love. He's the creator of love. If you have ever experienced human love, if you've ever experienced the love of a parent or a child, if you've ever experienced love from a spouse to another spouse, if you've ever experienced love from a sibling to another sibling, if you've ever experienced brotherly love from a friend that sticks closer than a brother. The love of God has preceded all that love. The only reason you were able to experience that love is because God himself is love, and he gave. Because God is love. He's the very essence and definition of love. God is love, and God so loved, John says. He so loved. When I was uh, young-ish, it, it, when I was not married yet and when I was, you know, I watched people who were married and then they would have babies and I'd watch adults, really intelligent adults, do silly things when they get around babies, right? They'd get around babies and they'd be like, Ooh, and they would, they would go into this sort of gibberish kind of thing and it was baffling to me and it was embarrassing. I was embarrassed for them. I said, oh, really? I thought to myself, when I, I will not, I won't. I, if I ever have kids, it's not, I'm not going to be like that. I had a kid. I have three. And when there are babies, guess what happened? <laughs> they do something to you. They make you be act silly. I mean, they do silly things to you. And I'm like, "You're so big," you know, like, oh, they're tiny. But we're like, "You're so big." They're t- I don't I don't know. It's what we do. But so is so important. This so is so important. So would be needs to be understood to mean in such an infinite degree or in such a transcendently glorious manner. And the tense that God, the tense that is used here is that it's the aorist tense. It's an active tense. That the love of God isn't a static love, but it's, it's an active love. And it matters that God, the very author of love, he authored love and displayed his love in such a transcendently glorious manner that he acted and moved. Or as William Hendrickson says, God's love in action, reaching back to eternity and coming to fruition in Bethlehem and at Calvary is viewed as one great central fact. That love was rich and true, full of understanding, tenderness, and majesty. It was always God's plan to display from all of eternity past, to display his love in Bethlehem and in Calvary. It was always his plan from all of eternity past that he would show his love in Bethlehem and in Calvary. This is the love of God. He so loved that he would send his son, that he and that He would... Plan for Bethlehem and for Calvary so we've examined the one who is the giver well who is the one who is to receive the gift John helps us with the recipient who's the recipient of the gift for God so loved the world the recipient of the generosity of God is the world the very world that he made the very world that he had created perfectly, the very world that he spoke into existence. But the world that you see and I see, the world that we experience, is not the world that was the way it was designed. It was designed with perfect harmony between God and man, perfect harmony between humanity. But the world we experience is a world that is broken and a world that is weary. This past Tuesday, I had the opportunity to speak to the mothers of preschoolers, our mops group that meets here. We were talking about the weariness of Christmas, the Christmas season, all of the expectations, all of the stuff that we need to do that just can weary, make us weary. But it's not just Christmas that makes us weary, that makes our world weary, that makes our souls weary, is it? It only takes but a listening to the nightly news to be able to find ourselves Looking around and, say, and, and saying, What is going on? To be completely transparent with you, the last 18 months of watching this election c- c- cycle through has wearied and weathered my soul. When I look at the racial injustices that are continuing to happen in our world, I think it's 2016, shouldn't we be beyond these things? And yet it's obvious that we're not beyond these things. And it weathers my soul. When I look at the police shootings and police being shot, and I stare into the void of the brokenness, it weathers and wearies my soul. When I look at the refugee crisis that is not just an American crisis, it's a global crisis. When I sit in Starbucks this, earlier this week, and I start reading about the atrocities that are happening in Aleppo, Have you read these things? These mothers that are crying out on on Twitter that that someone would come save their children. And I'm reading about these stories, and I'm thinking about my own children, and my eyes well up with tears, and it weathers my soul as I look at the brokenness and feel the weight of the world. The brokenness of it all. It's wearisome. It's not just Christmas. Christmas. It's not just the brokenness of the world in which we live, but it's also just life that our being married and parenting and trying to be a good Christian. It is wearying. And this is our world, a world that is riddled with selfishness and pride and pain and brokenness because things aren't the way they were created to be, because things aren't the way they should be. And John tells us that even though the world is sin-laden and exposed and raw and in need of healing and in great need of salvation, that this world is still the object of God's care. That this world that we inhabit is still a world that is in God's view and is still a world in which God sees. It's still a world that is within God's concern because God's image is still to a degree being reflected in humanity. This is God who mankind, humankind is like a mirror that we are to image God and we are still to a degree, imaging him and the way in which we live just our existence and our humanity. The original mirror was beautiful. It was a work of art. And the mirror that we see today has become horribly blurred. And it seems chaotic. And maybe when we look and we look at our computer screens and we read of the atrocities in our world and we look at the darkness of our own hearts, we say, how can any of this image God, how can any of this be pleasing to God? And yet God looks down and no matter how marred, no matter how broken, he still sees his handiwork. He still says "They're mine." He still says, I've created all of these things, and there is nothing that is outside of my hands. He's got that kid's song, he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. God so loved the world. What? That he acted, that he gave, that he gave. He gave the gift. He gave the gift of his one and only son. God sent his son Jesus to earth to be born, to take on the form of human flesh. It's, it's Christmas. It's the incarnation. It's God in flesh, the Godhead see, right? Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Jesus came to live a life fully devoted to God. No matter all of our good intentions, no matter how hard we've tried, we've never lived, none of us, not one of us has lived our lives fully devoted to God. It's something we aspire to, but because of our own brokenness in the world in which we live, we fail and we come up, come up short. But Jesus came and perfectly lived the perfect life that the law of God required, and he did so Going then going to the cross. He came at Bethlehem to live the perfect life that that we couldn't live. He went to the cross to die the death of, for the punishment that our sins deserved. Have you ever considered something? Have you ever considered that God had no obligation to give his son? He wasn't an, he was he had no obligation. Have you ever been an, uh, obligated to give a gift? maybe your wife said yes to a party that you were going to go to and then you had to give a gift and you said, really? I don't really like these people and I certainly don't want to spend money giving them a gift. Why are we going to this thing? By the way, it's cold. We should just stay home. Have you ever been, have you ever, have you ever been a reluctant giver? Has, you, has that ever been you? You're probably way nicer people than me. I'm sure you are. And it's never happened to you. But God was under no obligation to give and God was not a reluctant giver. He didn't have to send his son, but he, it was his plan to display his divine love. And he did so because of his love. He gave because he so loved the world. And the gift of his son is the climax of God's love. What is the significance of this gift? That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. See, here's the hard thing. Here's the hard thing about this. like um, Sin, our world is broken, and our world is broken, and we all agree on that. It doesn't take much to agree on that. But part of the reason that the world is broken is because I'm here. You say, we all agree on that. Uh, no, but 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 and because you're here, but because we're a part of it, and because we're flawed and broken people, and we're in relationships with flawed and broken people, because if we're honest, none of us acts the way that we should. If you doubt that, just ask your wife. Just ask your children. They'll have a long list of things that you should have done better. At least mine do. We don't always live in the way in which we should. We don't always consider other people better than ourselves. We don't always spend our time in the way that is most helpful for other people. We don't always spend our money in ways that would benefit others, but we spend it on ourselves, concerned about our own things, and the Bible calls this sin. You see, sin in the Bible is not just simply that we do, we, we do some bad things. It's not simply that we just lie or steal or whatever. But sin is actually ignoring God and the very creation that he has made. It is rebellion against him by living without reference for him. It is saying, I will decide exactly how I want to live my life. I will be the king of my own domain. I will be the king of my life. It's when we put ourselves and our needs at the center of our lives, and the Bible calls it sin. And this is why the world is the way it is. Because people choosing to live by their own rules, being the king of their own domain, have chosen to live out and to abuse other people, to put systems and structures in place that will, make, that will serve my needs and serve my wants and serve my desires when it's broken. And this is why you and I are partly responsible. You say, well, I've never, I've never done genocide. I've never done any of these big... No, no, you haven't, nor have I. And yet I know what it is to be selfish and I know what it is to be prideful and I know what it is to be arrogant and I know what it is to, to hurt other people with my words because I'm more concerned about my wants and my desires than others. And you contributed, and so did I, to the brokenness that is our world. And this re- the result of this behavior is death. And the future of this behavior is death and eternity separated from God. But this verse tells us that God gave his son Jesus the greatest gift that we the world has ever known. To live the life perfectly devoted to God, centered on the good of others. And Jesus went to the cross and bore the punishment that your sin and mine deserves. Why? that whoever believes in him might have eternal life, that we might have a future, that we might have life, that we would spend eternity with him. You might say, well, if I'm looking around and I'm going, hey, I'm not sure I really like life as it is. I don't know if I want to live on for eternity. I understand. I understand that. But here's the thing. God showed his love in Bethlehem. God so loved that he went to Calvary, Bethlehem, Christmas, in view, full view of Good Friday and the resurrection on Easter Sunday morning. And God will show his love by sending his son back. That one day he will return. You know, I, I sign up for this email devotional, and I've done it for for years now, so every day I get a I get a, a, a an email in my inbox and it tells me that I need to do this New Testament reading and this Old Testament reading and then there's a proverb over the day and then I do it some days and I don't other days and it, it always frustrated me. So some years I, I did better. This year I didn't do as good at this reading uh, as I've done in other years past. Um, but it would always frustrate me when I get to December because the New Testament reading would always take me to Revelation and I'm like, I don't want to read that stuff when it's Christmas time. I want to read about cookies and warm stuff and, and Jesus and Mary and Joe and, and angels and it would just frustrate me, and the only reason they did it is because it just was the end of the calendar year right it's just and I'm like these people they didn't there's no creativity involved, so I would just be and then it dawned on me how silly I am, how silly I was, how silly because that's the whole point that's the whole hope of Christmas it, it, We ought to be reading Revelation now. We ought to be reading about the fact that Jesus Christ will one day return, and he will set all things right. He will make all things new. The very brokenness and the very longing and the very waiting of Christmas for the gift to return. The longing that you see in your children, the longing you see in your grandchildren for their Christmas gifts ought to mirror the longing that you and I experience as we long for Christ to come and set things to rights to bring in justice to allow hope and healing to truly come with the new heavens and the new earth when Christ, recome, when Christ returns. And that is the hope of Christmas. And that is the hope of Easter. And that is the hope of your life and mine. And that is the hope of the church. It is the hope that he will come back and he will return. But today we live in the tension, don't we? Today we live in in the tension of what God has already done, what he has already gave because he is a God who gives and he has given the most precious gift into the most marred circumstances of this broken world and he gave it for you and he gave it for me and so we celebrate Christmas and so we come with expectancy and we come with great joy because of the amazing gift because we know that though our sins were a scarlet, he wiped them away like, way like snow It's white as snow. And we celebrate. And yet it's marred with our own brokenness. And yet it's still marred with our broken relationships. It's still marred with depression. It's still marred with anxiety. And yes, we have this. And yes, we live here. And we are longing for the return. And we live in this tension. And in our longing, what are we to do? Well, one, we are to feel it. We are to embrace that longing. That's, this, that's what Advent is doing. That's what the, celib- the church's historic traditional celebration of Advent is to tell us to slow down, to stop, and to allow our hearts to long for Christ's return, to long for the healing that comes second is we are to image Jesus. We are to image him. In the meantime, we are to make disciples of Jesus. We are to tell people about the hope that comes in Bethlehem and came in Calvary. We are to tell people. To make disciples starts with telling people about the one who they're supposed to follow, who is Jesus. To make disciples means that we are to help them obey Jesus. As you obey Jesus, you tell people to obey Jesus so that they too can allow their hopes and dreams to be found in the certain promises of God, not just in our own desires, but we're longing for Him. We are to image Jesus. We are to obey Jesus and to help people follow Jesus by becoming disciples of Jesus. In the meantime, we are to love like Jesus. We are to allow our hearts to break for the things that break the heart of God. When was the last time that you prayed and said as you looked at the realities of our world, God, break my heart. I I should care about this. I don't care about this. And that's probably because of my own sin and my own self-concern. If this is something that breaks your heart, then break my heart for it. In the meantime, we are to give like Jesus. Jesus. We are to give of our gifts and talents and resources for the cause of the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are to spend all of our energies in order that we might be able to see his name and renown known. We are to give, or as Paul says, that he was being poured out like a drink offering. That is to be our lives in the tension and the tension between what has already happened and what has not yet happened that we're longing for. In the meantime, we are to give of our very selves, to give of our very lives, in order that we may be able to see the kingdom grow. God gave everything so that we might be able to gain everything, and so we give everything until he comes. We've been talking to you, maybe ad nauseum for some of you, about our Christmas collection. And we've been talking about today being the day that we have the opportunity to participate together as a community, together as a church family, and being able to say, I want to give even my meager gifts, even my meager offering. And all of our, all of our offerings are meager in comparison to the great generosity of God. Can we just be okay with that? Can we just say, yes, no matter how much we give, But all of those things are extravagant in the eyes of God because it's about the intentions of our hearts of being able to say we're coming in faith in order that we as a church family, we as a community of faith might be able to move forward together. And so we've talked about these things. We've talked about them a lot. And we've also said that today was gonna be the day we've given you a giving card, a collection card, as we've called it. And though there's a number of different opportunities to be able to give and participate in helping our church make disciples and helping our church plant other churches that will be about making disciples and planting other churches, as we talk about these things and as we're asking God that we can participate in this kingdom-building movement, we've asked you to pray individually. Last Tuesday, we came together as a church and we had a prayer gathering here in this room and now it's an opportunity for us to be able to say, yes, I'm coming in faith with our collection card and being able to come. We're gonna invite you to come and put the card here in the manger. We're gonna sing a couple songs and we're gonna give you an opportunity. If you've not filled out the card, if you don't have a card, we'd love to put one into your hands. But we'd love to, even if you've given online, I just want to, or, or however else you choose to give, we still would love to have you fill out one of those cards so that we can be praying over that, so that we can also be expecting, we can know how to plan. It's an opportunity for us to be able to come together and to be able to say, yes, I'm coming forward and I'm gonna lay in faith, I'm gonna be laying this into the manger in order that I might be able to say, yes, I'm celebrating the great grand gift of the generosity of God, of his son, and I'm recognizing what he's done. And in hope, I'm praying and in faith that God will help us walk into the tension between now and when he comes back. We might be a kingdom-building church. So the band is going to come, and they're going to play. And whenever you feel, and as you want to, if if you're a guest here, if this is your first time, please feel no obligation. Just just, just observe. This is a family thing. This is what we've been talking about as a family. This is an act of our family, where we're just saying, as a part of this family, we're praying and pleading with God that somehow he might show hope in and through us to this broken world so in need of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've invited the youth to come because it's a family thing. It's what we're doing together as a church family. When you come, if you come, and, you, and, and as you bring your, your, your card, we also have a little gift. <laughs> says maximize and multiply on it and it's an ornament for you to be able to take and to, so as you come and put it your envelope in you feel free to please take one of these to put on your tree or to hang on your mirror or to put it hang it on i don't know your rear your mirror in your car just to remind yourself that you're participating though though our gifts are meager we're participating in what god the sovereign god who so loved the world has done and we look at this and we say yes and we look at this and we say god please maranatha come quickly god to restore and to heal and to make hope, to make our faith sight. Then what we're going to do is we're going to invite you to come. And when you've come, then we're going to sing it. We're going to sing a couple songs as you're coming. And then what I'm going to ask you to do after we're done and we have have all of the cards, the collection cards in the manger, then we're going to bless them together as a family. We're going to pray a blessing over these gifts that God may use these things for his glory and for real kingdom impact. Let me pray, and then we're going to be led. And as as you feel led, come. And if you don't feel led, don't come. This is not, I'm not cajoling you. I'm not twisting your arm. I'm saying if God is moving in you, then fill out the card and come and bring it. It's an act of faith for our church family come. Let me pray. Father, we can't twist your arm. There's no amount of arm twisting that I would could do or would ever want to do to try to arouse people or to try to maneuver because all that is just wood, hay, and stubble, Father. If it is not you who's building the house than the, the builders labor in vain. And so I come and I just pray. I pray, Father, that we, we will be useful. I pray, Father, that yes, we will be generous. But I pray, Father, that it will be generosity, not with our, just with our resources, but with our entire lives, that we will be those who, who, who lean into the tension that we will be those who have a deep place of longing and that we will be those who pray urgently and passionately for your return where you will set all things right. And we will be the people of faith and we will be the people of hope. And so it is in faith and it is in worship that we come and offer our gifts to you. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.